Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Uh, Black Friday has come and gone, which Black Friday isn't really a thing anymore now because of everything with Cyber Mondays and small business Saturdays, but I, I went to Walmart and I was surprised with how many people weren't there back in the day. Now, in my day, you would go after Thanksgiving and I literally saw people fight over Care Bears. That's a true story. But we're here, right? Thanksgiving has come. We've, we've eaten. We're now eating all the leftovers, which is why we gain all the weight. And Christmas is officially on its way. Now, for me, in my story, back in the 90s, in the early 1990s, I had a job, which a lot of people had this job back then. It's an obsolete job, and maybe you've heard of it. it was, I was called a paper boy. Back in a day when people actually read newspapers, I had this job where I would go around on my bike, and I would go around from door to door, and those boxes that were not your mailboxes, those green boxes underneath, I'd put them in there or take them up to the door, and I had about 60 customers, and I got paid to do this. But it was kind of a cool job because as a young man, I got to learn all about entrepreneurship and how to handle money and how to have customers. So it was a great learning experience as a young man. What wasn't great about it was when it was snowing and sleeting and it was terrible weather out, people still wanted their newspapers. I didn't get that, right? So I would have to go out no matter what the weather was. I was the guy who'd go around and deliver your papers for you. And one of the most awesome things about being a paper carrier was literally this time of year. At this time of year, we would be able to purchase calendars from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and we'd purchase calendars, and then we would buy these calendars as a thank you gift to all of our customers. So we would get this stack of calendars, and I would go around door to door to all of my customers, and I would say, thank you for being a great customer. Here is your free uh, calendar for the next year. And there was a uh, kind of a known thing about this whole thing. This is the time you tip your paper boy. <laughs> so I would go around door to door, uh, ringing the doorbells. It would usually start right now at Black Friday because let me tell you about that newspaper on Thanksgiving. It was two times the size of Sunday, and it, it was a huge paper. So I would start at this time, and I'd ring the doorbell. Thank you so much, Mr. Smith, for being a great customer. Uh, here is your journal Sentinel calendar. Uh, I look forward to working with you again next year. Now, if people knew this long storied history, that person would then say, oh, this is great. Thank you so much, Jason, for your hard work. And I would get my tip. And the tips at this time pretty much made up all of my purchasing for the whole year. So I lived on these tips. And I had about 60 customers. And so I would go around, ring the doorbell, go through this. And here's the most awesome thing of all. When I would go to the door, and I would get totally stiffed. I loved it. I would hand him the calendar, say, thank you for a nice dear, and he's like, grunted at me and slammed the door in my face. I, it was terrible. It's not awesome. It was terrible. I would walk down the driveway totally defeated. Now, I'm only 12 years old. I don't know how the world really works yet, but all I know is that this guy didn't like me. I didn't get a tip, and so I bought this calendar for $1.50, and now I'm out $1.50, right? And so then I would go to another house. And as you'd go to these houses, 
over the course of years, you start to learn who were the good tippers. So here, here's, here's free for you this morning. Tip people well. They know, right? So I, I would go to the door, and I would read. And the good tippers, they were just so kind. And they weren't just giving me financial. They would encourage, thank you so much. I appreciate. I know you come out when it's snowing out. And when back in the 90s, you got a $20 tip. That was some fat cash. So when he got a $20 tip, that was great. And then there were the special ones. The special ones were the ones who gave a $50 bill or more. And I know, right? This is huge. So I would go around. They would go above and beyond. And I would go to the door. They'd say, just wait one second. And they'd come back. Now, the cool ones would also give me Christmas cookies at the same time as the gift. That was like extra bonus. I eat cookies and make money. It's a win-win. But I would, they would bring me some, and, and they would give this gift, and they'd say, oh, I just want to thank you for your hard work. And that feeling of walking down the driveway, that generosity, like, infused me. It put a smile on my face, not only because I just made money. That wasn't the point of what it was for me. I, in turn, could buy Christmas gifts. If I didn't make money during this time, I couldn't buy Christmas gifts, and I also couldn't go to my youth group's winter retreat because I would pay to go to my youth group winter retreat, which was in January, February time. So I needed these funds. And when it came through and someone was so radically above and beyond generous, it just shifted my whole mindset. I'm like, I want to be generous as well. Maybe you've had that experience before. I also was a Pizza Hut delivery guy in northern Chicago. And you may have heard this before. If you haven't, True story, I delivered a pizza to Michael Jordan's house because that's where I went to school in that area, in Deerfield. So I would go and deliver pizzas in one of the richest areas in our Midwest and, and even in our country. And when we would deliver a pizza, there was the person who would not tip you at all or ask for change back or leave you 25 cents. And then there's the people who would be above and beyond. Uh, not here to talk about Michael Jordan, but he was average. So... The point of all this is that generosity did something to me. People's generous attitude changed me. And if you've been around people who are radically generous, it just changes you. It changes the way you feel. It changes the way you see things. It also changes the way you see that which was given to you. And for me, this was a huge life-altering story. And that's where we're going to enter into the scriptures today. There's a story we're going to be looking into, into the scriptures in Exodus. So if you have your Bible apps, uh, iPhones, uh, anything you have there would like to look into this, also be on the screen, Exodus 35. This is an account that I have never seen before in my life. And so when I was working on this passage, I was blown away by this passage and what it says. And so uh, open up if you'd like, Exodus 35. 4 through 9. It says this. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, that is what the Lord has commanded. What, from what you have, take an offering to the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair. I never got goat hair for delivering papers. Just let that be known. Ram skins dyed red and another type of durable leather acia wood, olive oil for light, spices for the anointing of oil, for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod of the breastplate. 
So this passage comes in response. God tells Moses, this is what we're going to do. You guys are on the move, and what I want you to do is I want you to make a collection here because we are now going to create tabernacle. And this idea is this sanctuary in which God is going to have a dwelling place among his people. God's people, if we go back in time, were just released from Egypt. They were slaves there. Moses was the one God had lead them out. God had taken them through the Red Sea. If you remember any of these stories or movies or have seen these before, read the account. They've gone through the Red Sea. God has provided food for them when there's no food. They've gone through all of these things, and God says now, I am going to have a place or sanctuary among them. This tabernacle is uh, something that moves. It's not a permanent structure because these were a nomadic dwelling people. They were on a mission to move into a land that God had promised for them in which these Israelites were going to have their own land, their own country, if you will, their own place of dwelling. And right now, they're nomadic. And what we find out later in the story is because they sin, they dwell for 40 years without being able to have their own land. But currently, they're on the move. And so God says, you have to have a dwelling place in which I'm going to dwell, and there's going to be a way in which you can approach me, and we'll have certain people who are allowed to approach me. These people are going to be set apart from the rest of the people. Lots of details going on here, but I want you to know this to understand what's happening. God says, I am going to make a place for dwelling for you. And this tabernacle is very fascinating. I want you to listen to this again because you probably skipped over it because I've skipped over it my whole life. Verse 5. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering. Dot, 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 dot. I want to read that again because I want you to catch this. I never saw this. Everyone who is willing is to bring an offering to the Lord. Everybody who is willing. God did not say, hey guys, here's the deal. I delivered your newspaper. You owe me $50 tip. You need to tip me this. Everybody gives this. Line up. I'm going to keep a record of how much everybody gives. And if you don't give enough, I'm going to kick you out of, our, out of the church. That's some of your stories. I know that. That's why I said that. God didn't say that. He says everybody who is literally willing to bring an offering. And who is willing is a really fascinating word because it's translated NIV into English, but it's actually two words inside of the Hebrew. These two words are nabib, which means pertaining to being voluntary and uncoerced, or meaning generosity. So this word nadib, this word is said, and we translate it to willing, so uncoerced or implying generosity. The second word is leb. Nadib, leb. The second word, leb, Hebrew, is meaning from the heart. Mind, soul, spirit, or from your heart. And so we would see Moses inviting everybody to give generously from their heart, if you want to. Now, why this is such a tension point in all of our American church is because we all have backstories of something, of this message or this kind of thinking that has been used in a different way. We've, been, we've seen scams, we've seen people who are misusing funds, we've seen all this. And I want to just pause for a second, because we'll get to that in a minute. I want you to just focus on something new, because I want to change your narrative. As Mosaic Church, we are not where you came from. I want to change your narrative, because as a church family, we want to focus on what does God say and what's happening in God's people. Among God's people, radical generosity 
is the core of who God is, therefore the core of who we are. And so we're just going to put your story aside for a few moments, and let's put in the story of Moses. Moses says this, everybody who has a generous, willing heart is to give to the idea that we have to build the tabernacle. Now, inside of that list of things, we had goat hair and skins and all these, like that is some weird stuff, right? They were nomadic people. These items would have come with them from Egypt, and these items that they have here are being brought together not only for tabernacle, but would have been for all of the decorations for the priests who would be able to go into the place. So this was to adorn their priests in a way that was honoring and respectful of what God was asking of his people. God is setting apart himself from people. I am different from you. I'm the Lord God Almighty. You have to, if you want to come to my place, understand that we are not on the same level. And so at this time, this is how God wanted it with his people. And they were adorned in great jewels, and they had this breastplate, and all these things symbolized things about God and his relationship with Israel. I am not interested in a gold breastplate, so please do not bring me your gold and melt it down. I don't want one, though it'd be kind of cool, but I don't want one. Anyways, uh, so this is what's happening. So everybody's bringing this because this is all part of the community of being able to come together and worship God as a community. Community is a big word because we look very different in our culture. Their community was tribal or community-based. They thought about what is best for the community. As Americans in the year 2021, we are individualistic, which means I think about what's best for me. How does this affect me? So when I read a story and I see all these people, they are to bring with a willing heart all these things, perhaps, I'm not saying, perhaps your first thought would be, well, I'm sure other people will take care of that. How do I know this is true? I've been in ministry for 20 years. That is what everybody thinks. Somebody else will take care of that. Someone else will do that. But these people did not think that way. As individuals that we tend to be, we think about our story and how it pertains our story to what we get. In a tribal community, they saw it as a community and what can we do together. Together is a different word than individualistic. And so as a tribal community, as a church family, that's kind of who we are. We are a church family. Now, we just had Thanksgiving, and I know y'all had some Thanksgivings that were good, and some of those who had crazy uncles who fell asleep and snored the whole time. I know, right? We all have our Thanksgivings. And when you came together with friends and family, or whether you celebrated in different ways, or, you know, you bring people together, and you look at it from a very different perspective when you look at it as family, friends, or this is my community. Community changes the way you think when you're individualistic. But in American church, somehow we've removed community and we've become individualistic, meaning that I'm looking within a church community, what's best for me? Do you have this? Do you have that? Do you have kids ministry? Do you have youth ministry? Do you have Bible studies? Do you have a golf league? Do you have this? Do you have... If you don't, I'm going to move on to another place that has what I want. Versus what is a community that is worshiping God, helping me grow to be more like Jesus. We're in it together to drive the gospel forward into the community and the world. And how do I get onto that boat? 
Things have shifted. Encouraging, we're shifting back. There's a movement that is shifting back in America, which I am so proud to be a part of, which is moving away from individualism into community base, which means this. Not only are we a church community, we literally eat, breathe, sleep, and dream about what we can do for our community. Because the individualistic way of thinking within the church over time has created a bunch of churches that focus on themselves and what's best for them. Then COVID hit, and everyone realized, oh no, maybe we were wrong. We were blessed that God put us on a movement before then to say, what if we create a church in which we focus more out than in, give more than we take, be focused on people both here and abroad to love and do the work of Jesus as a family. I'm not anything new and we're not anything new. It's actually going all the way back to the Bible. So here we have this unbelievable word, if you are willing, Nadib Lev. Radical generosity is just unbelievable because now we're going to read something that's going to blow your mind. I've never seen this. Um, I tend to be a Bible nerd, but if you are a Bible nerd like me, you've never read. If you read this, uh, you could preach next Sunday. But check this out. Exodus 36, 3 through 7 says this. Exodus 36, 3 through 7. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order, and they said this word, sent this word throughout the camp, no man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary, said by no church planter ever. <laughs> and so the people were restrained from bringing more because they had already had was more than enough to do the work. I have never seen this in my life. And I've read Exodus a bunch of times. I never caught that, that here you have these guys who are working. And so Moses says, everybody bring these things. And so morning after morning, these families are bringing more. So they're dumping off their jewelry. They're bringing their goat hair skins. They're bringing their ram stuff. They're bringing their linens. They're bringing this. And these guys, Moses selects skilled workers. So these are your carpenters and workers, and they're working. And they stop what they're doing to say, Moses, tell them to stop bringing us so much stuff. We have way too much than what we need. They don't, are are not stop giving. Imagine this. Now, what would drive a community to be so radically generous at that time? What would drive them inside of their minds to say, okay, let's just sit down as a family and process. What more can we give away? Baby, you don't need those earrings. You don't need those earrings. Come on, give those up. You know, you don't need that necklace. We could give that. We can give more to the Lord. This is an important thing for our community. Our God is going to be with us. There's going to be a place for us to worship. We got to take care of our priests. What is driving the conversation? This is what's driving it. Exodus 14. God delivered them from bondage of Egypt and got them across the Red Sea. Exodus 16. God provided quail and manna from heaven. Manna was this stuff that was on the ground in the morning like a dew-like substance, but it was like a bread-like substance. But it was nourishing, and they could eat this. So every day they would go out and collect. They could eat every day simply because God put food on the ground for them. We move on. They needed water. Water came from a rock in Exodus 17. 
Exodus 33, God had promised his presence to go with Israel on their entire journey. God's presence was with them. They've seen miracle after miracle. They've seen God work. They saw what's happening in the community. The story doesn't end well, but right now the story is going great because at the end, they don't trust God, which still blows my mind. But in this part of the story, they see all these actions of God and the fact that God would have his presence among them. They said, how do we make this happen? It stemmed from a heart of thankfulness. Generosity stems from a heart of thankfulness. When you stop and pause, and our whole series has been thanks and giving, when you stop and pause and think, God, you have given me so much. Do I really need everything I have? Now, generosity comes in multiple forms. It's not just within the church walls. It comes within our community. It comes with those who are in need. It comes with neighbors. It comes just from a heart of being generous. But in my line of work, I see a lot of people who actually have been hurt by this conversation. There's a tension, and the tension comes from this. If you grew up in the 1980s, which I did, there was a bunch of televangelistic scandals that happened during that time. You grew up in the 80s. The words Jimmy Baker, Swagger, all these names that come up. If you don't know them, uh, it's good, or Google, whatever you want to do. But there was these scandals in which you would send in this money and support this ministry, and then you find out these guys are building this big Christian Disney world and embezzling money and all this fraudulent things was happening. And everybody, as America, saw this play out on television and said, see, everything is corrupt. You turn on your television now, you have a, some guy on TV saying, if you give me $20, oh, give me $20, yes, thank you, Jesus. If you give me $20 right now, I will bless this hanky, and you can put this hanky in your room, and you will be blessed. And I don't know how that works. I've never seen it in the Bible. And, but if you want me to do it, I guess I can, but it's free. And I, don't, I don't get this stuff. And so you have these guys on TV who are making millions of dollars scamming and using the name of God to be able to become millionaires. And so you sit there and say, Jason, that's a great story, but in our world, in our time, understand there's some real scammers out there. Oh, I get it. Let me add another story to it, why there's tension. The tension comes from your past. The story of you were, there was a board up in your church which had the top givers, and you'd be listed by those who gave the most on the top, and you went right down. So the guilt and shame was I need to give to at least make the board or at least not get called by some person in the church to tell me I'm not giving enough. And so the board was listed in the front. This is just amazing. I can't believe this. Listed in the front of the church. And in the front of the church, this is, you would worship God at the same time. Ooh, look at how, that's a big giver. So our top donors. And then there's this guilt and shame that was associated with it. And so you're like, Jason, I hear what you're saying, but I also saw that board, and I get that as well. Maybe you were part of something in which a church literally kicked you out because you didn't give, or they mentioned how much you're giving. When you walked in the door, uh, they'd say, hey, I haven't seen you in a while, but looks like your giving's down because they know you and they know what your dollar amounts are. These are all true stories for some of you who are sitting right now in this congregation, and I want to say this to you, that is not biblical. I'm going to say this again. It's not biblical. And for those who are hurt, and these people are never going to say it to you, 
I'm going to say it for them. I'm sorry you had to experience that because that's terrible. It's not biblical. It's not what God had planned. That's not God's story. Never does God say, I want to guilt you so hard that you unwillingly give me all your money and then I put you on a name on a board. That's not biblical. But I don't know where we got there, but let me tell you about our story. Let me tell you about Mosaic and what we are as a story. First of all, the leadership has no idea who gives. I don't know, and I will never know. If you're thinking, sweet, I'm out. No, that's not what I'm saying. I don't know. Do you want to know why I don't know? Because I, when I was planting a church, I sat down with multiple pastors. I said, give me some advice. How do you deal with giving? And they, I had some pastors say, you need to know who your top givers are. You need to know who they are, and you need to take them out for dinner, and you need to make sure that they are good givers and they continue to give and blah, 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 blah. And I had some other pastors say, look, man, I wouldn't know anything because my, my heart, we're human. Hearts are corrupt. We can all go sideways. And the Bible tells us to treat nobody with higher accord. In fact, it doesn't matter if they give or don't give. The body and the family, the community is what we live for and let God have, build generous hearts in people. And I said, that's what I want to be part of. So I have no idea, and I never will know. There's one person in this church who knows, and that's our treasurer. And at the end of the year, you get your statement and stuff. You get a letter from me that says, I don't know. If you gave a dollar or you gave a million, I just say, I'm, thank you so much. Thank you for being on the journey with us. Not because we have to have it, because I'm so excited about what God is doing in our church community, which we're going to be talking about today. So first of all, we are not your story in the past. We have no idea. We just know big numbers. That's all I know. Secondly, when we sat down as a church family, we started to process who we're going to be. I said, this is very important to me. Um, I've been in churches uh, where money was used, I wouldn't say in a bad way, but I would say we could have really rethought those things. Do we really need that $5,000 mic? Um, no, nothing's going to make me sound better. It's not worth it, right? We can get a mic for we can get a bike for 200 bucks on Amazon. We don't need the $5,000 mic. But we would replace and we'd have all this like expensive stuff. And I always sat down and thought, when I was making nothing as a junior high youth pastor, do you know how hard it was for me to give when we had nothing and we had diapers and babies? But I wanted to be a part of the story. But then I saw someone give a $5,000 microphone. I'm like, I didn't give to that. Now, I'm not here to say that we should nitpick all these different things. That's not my story and why I'm saying that. This is what I'm saying. Our church family sat down and said, we're not going to do that. What we're going to be is we're going more out than when we go in. Our goal is to give 20% away both in our community and the world. Starting point. Starting point. I want to go to 25. I want to go to 30. I want more money to go out. I want Mosaic Church. I'm going to say, guys, would you please stop giving so much? I would rather right now, thank you for giving to Mosaic, would you give some money to our local group in need right now? Let's give over here right now because we have way too many resources. Could you imagine what that would look like as a church family? Could you imagine what that looks like? I sit here and I think, man, there's so many hurts and so many issues from the past that in my story, I completely, as a pastor, stopped giving to church. So if you're there, I know exactly what you're saying. Because my heart got hard, and you know, in that time, my whole perspective shifted. 
my perspective shifted because my heart was hard. I'm like, God, I'm so frustrated. And I had, went, I had my temper tantrum with God. I'm sure you guys have them too. And I went through it. But then my heart shifted again, and I was missing out on the joy of radical generosity because the giving wasn't about the giving. It was about me and my heart. Because as I gave and was generous, my heart shifted. And literally now what we're doing as a church planner, my wife and I, it's a joy. And we're always thinking, what are some new ways? I love it. It's super fun. And I feel like the guy who was sitting in his house who gave me the $50 bill for him. I don't know how much that guy made. I don't know if that was a big deal to him. It's a big deal to me. The joy he had to have on his heart. Because it didn't just change my life. The joy as he saw the smile on his face, on my face, the encouragement and always helping, that is what comes from the joy of giving and generosity. So as a church family, I want to encourage us as a church, let's rewrite the narrative to generosity. Let's rewrite all the narratives, all the stories, figuring out the percentages. If I give this percent at this amount, let's just, let's just rewrite the narrative. What does radical generosity look like in your life? Stupid, insane generosity in which, just like Christmas, every adult in here is going to say it's better to give to the re than receive. We only say that for certain things sometimes. What if we changed our narrative to say it is better to give than to receive in every facet of my life? For those who live generously, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's fun. And as a 45-year-old adult, it's even more fun. Now, I remember when I was younger, I used to say, when I had more money, I'll give away more. The truth is, you never have more. I don't know. If you're young right now, like, oh, yeah, you're always broke. I don't know. I mean, maybe some of you are. I am. But uh, there, there's always something else, right? But what if generosity shifted our church family? And here are two things I'm going to talk about today because it's not about this building and just us. We are part of something bigger. We have partners uh, that we, you, specifically sponsor and take care of in Bosnia. I've got a video from them today we're going to show in a second. Michael and Leah Strand. Michael was a, it's called a second career missionary, which means he was just like you, sitting in a, in a sanctuary, heard a call by God to leave his well-paying job, security, had a great home, blah, 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 family's here. He and his wife, moved to war-torn Bosnia. If you don't know anything about uh, the turbulence that's happened, the war that happened over there in former Yugoslavia, it is the majority of the people he lives with are Muslims. And within his, uh, he'll share with you, uh, very, in his uh, jurisdiction there, very few Christians. He'll tell you all about it in this video. But you are a part of what is happening in Bosnia when you give to Mosaic Church. Let's watch this video. Hello, Mosaic Church. We are Michael and Leah Strand. We live in Sarajevo, Bosnia-Herzegovina. It is a small country in the Balkans, an area of southeastern Europe. We, before we came here, we lived for many years in West Bend. Uh, we were part of community church there for about 13 years, uh, serving in the church. Then the Lord uh, laid on our hearts even stronger to, to be involved internationally and we worked with the Christian and Missionary Alliance, which is a denomination that Mosaic is a part of, and we were sent here. It wasn't an easy move. We have our two youngest children living with us, going to school here, and we have three children 
that are living in West Bend. You have probably met some of them, uh, Karis, Aiden, and Simeon, uh, who are going to school, working, and living there in the United States. For us, it was a major life change. I was in the corporate world for 27 years, and Leah was homeschooling, and we were living life. And then the Lord laid on us to come here. Pastor Jason asked us to share how we see God moving here among us. One story I have for you. Uh, this fall, we did, a, a, about a month ago, we did a language assessment. Uh, trying to learn a language at this stage of life is not easy, but it's still worthwhile. Part of our language assessment was to memorize a Bible verse. And so we've been studying Ephesians at our local church here. So I've memorized Ephesians 2.8. I remember it, memorized it in Bosnian for the language assessment. As we went to Bosnian class, uh, I was working with my Bosnian language teacher, who is a strong Muslim. And she asked what I'd been doing or studying, and I mentioned this to her, and she said, great, let's, let's read it. And so I got to read the beginning of chapter 2 of Ephesians about grace and be able to use what I'd been learning for an, a language assessment, a test, with my Bosnian language teacher to, uh, to learn the language but also to share life. That very night, as I was teaching English to students at our English center, uh, I was interacting with a young man who very much is concerned with, with justice and with righteousness and the corruption that's so prevalent here and how we live our lives and what we do. And he said, well, it's kind of the same with my faith and his own faith, the Muslim faith, and your faith, right? And I was able to pull out that verse from Ephesians and say it to him in Bosnian in a language that I know is his heart language and explain the difference between what we believe as Christians and what he believes. That's just one way we see God working. At another brief one, this past week, I got to spend the week uh, working with the College of Prayer, a program on helping churches develop prayer and coming into the manifest presence of Christ. It was in another city about two hours south of here, but I was able to be with brothers from across the Balkan region, from Serbia, Montenegro, Croatia, Bosnia. As we prayed together, as we learned together, as there was a sense of repentance and forgiveness, it was an amazing time. We just see God working in so many ways. Pastor Jason also asked us to share a challenge and the greatest challenge and the greatest difference between living here and living in Wisconsin has been that there are very few churches and very few believers. In our country here, there are maybe 14 churches with a total of less than 500 believers. And that is in a country of three and a half million people. Sarajevo is a city of around 400,000 people and we have maybe four churches here and for with a total of less than a hundred local believers so that is probably our greatest challenge and greatest um, greatest difference one other challenge briefly and i've mentioned the word balkan a couple times balkan the idea is division the college of prayer that happened last week was brothers coming together from across these different countries and praying together you can't forget that 25 years ago, this was uh, Yugoslavia. It broke up violently. In Bosnia, there was 100,000 people killed in what was essentially a civil war between these groups. And so when we have these brothers coming together across these different ethnic or cultural backgrounds and praying together, it is so significant. But the reality of division still exists in these different countries. And that brings us to our prayer request that people here would find their peace 
that can only be found in Christ, not in the government, not in material possessions, um, not in a good job, uh, that, but that they would only find their peace in Christ and therefore peace among one another as well. And we pray that and ask that the Lord would give us the language ability to communicate the peace that can be found in Christ. And we want to thank you again, Mosaic Church, for your support. And we look forward to getting to know you better. And we encourage you to reach out to us and um, let us get to know you and how God is at work in your community. Uh, we also want to be an extension of who you are in your community here in Sarajevo, Bosnia. And so we invite you to um, learn more about what God is, at, God is doing here. And we look forward to getting to know you better. Thanks again. That's you. Do you ever think that that's what you're doing? A lot of times we don't think like that, right? We, we don't put together that there's a bigger story going on. But our friends, the Strands in Bosnia, are literally, we have a bigger church than his entire city. They're less than 100, and we're way over that. And they are grinding day in and day out. And I have the opportunity to talk with Michael on Skype. Guys, that's you. You are a part of that story, and Mosaic is a part of that story. Because of your radical generosity, these things are happening. But it's not just happening across the world. It's happening here in our community as well. I'm going to invite Michelle Willie up right now. Uh, Michelle is our coordinator of Impact Ministries. Um, impact Ministries is we want to make an impact, right? So uh, not very fancy name, I guess. Come on, grab the mic and come on up. Uh, she's going to share a little bit of what's been going on. If you've heard the name Hope Street before, if you're newer, that might be a new name to you. Uh, Michelle has been working directly with Hope Street in Milwaukee, um, and we have some opportunities coming to continue this generosity. So why don't you share a little bit what's been going on? Sure. Um, thanks for having me up here to share. I always love that chance to talk about Hope Street because it's been a really cool experience for me um, being part of this ministry. Um, so Hope Street is, they call themselves, a greenhouse for people, and it's located on 26th and Capitol in the city of Milwaukee. And Hope Street is, um, it is a home to 40 to 50 men, women, and children that are just going through a tough transitional part of their life. It looks very different for every single person. And Hope Street provides a safe environment for people to grow together as a community, um, to learn how to be self-sustaining, and also to be able to uh, experience the love of God in the community that they're living in. So Hope Street is a very community-based, it's an apartment complex, um, but when you walk in, uh, you feel very welcomed, and you can be welcomed into the community really easily there. There's lots of opportunities for serving and just making connections, being relational with the members that live there. Um, in the past, we've served in multiple different capacities. We help organize and lead a cleaning program. So when people are moving out of the apartments, a team from Mosaic will go in and clean the apartments. And then that has led into an opportunity for us to serve 
by creating welcome baskets. So uh, a lot of the members that when they're moving in, they're moving in from a really tough spot of life. So don't have some of the basic things that we might have, uh, like toilet paper, toothbrushes, toothpaste, cleaning supplies. So what we've done and what we're going to do this year is we'll have a giving tree over the next month where we'll be collecting supplies uh, to continue to be able to give the welcome baskets. It's really uh, comfort, I think, walking into a home in a new place and you don't know anybody and to feel welcomed right away and uh, a basket full of supplies and then there's a devotional book in there as well. So I just encourage you to be part of the giving tree uh, that's coming up this holiday season. And there's other ways to be involved at, at Hope Street that what they'll often say is just show up is one of the best ways to get involved because there's so much variety of uh, opportunities, whether it's spending time with people, leading Bible studies. Um, I was there this week and we were stamping envelopes and coloring on envelopes and administrative work. And so there's a, there's a spot for everybody. You might feel maybe like you don't have uh, a specific gift or skill that you can offer. Well, I felt that way and I was scared to show up the first time, but now uh, on a day off, uh, that's the first place I go is because I'm looking for a way to be involved and connected there. So I would just encourage you to um, get involved and get excited about it because it, the generosity, I think, is for you and for your heart, but um, also so you can share those gifts and talents that God has given you. They're for other people as well. They're not just to keep in our own hearts. So, yeah, that's uh, what we have coming up. And we're also doing a free gift wrapping event, so you can look for a sign-up for that coming up. Uh, we'll be gift wrapping the presence for the members at Hope Street as a way to connect and um, be in relationship with them as it will be happening during their Christmas party. So uh, I would encourage you also to sign up for that. It's coming up later this month. Okay, thank you. Thanks, yeah. Michelle. You can take it with you. Want to take it with you? You can take it with you. Sure. I got one in my face. It's cool. Thank you. So when we started Mosaic Church, I asked the question this. I went around to pastors. I asked a lot of questions. And this is one of the questions I asked. Um, if your church closed its doors, who do you think would cry? What do you think the average answer was? There was this awkward look of how dare you ask me that question. And I said, I'm, not, I'm just asking you as a leader, who do you think would weep if you closed your doors? And to a person, the people I talked with, the people who attend. And I said, and I didn't say this to them, I came back, I said, okay, Mosaic Church, we are going to be a church that if we close the doors, sure, let's weep, but let Washington County, Milwaukee, and Southeast Wisconsin say we just lost something huge because how they are involved in their community in the world. We don't dream of in, we dream of out. You've seen our t-shirts with the hashtag, love where you live. It's getting you to understand, to believe that you are impacting people around you where you live whether it's here, whether it's in Milwaukee County, it doesn't matter where you live, you have an impact, and we're called to love where we live. You'll see us involved with things that are just in our community. We're deeply involved with the schools, helping over there, with parks and rec. We just want to be a great neighbor, because when I read the Bible, Jesus says, love the Lord your God. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, and love your neighbor, and so we want to be amazing neighbors, that if we move, our neighbors would be sad. That means that we're making an impact larger than just a group of people coming. 
That is the heart of Mosaic. And so I ask you, are you willing? That's the big question. We're sitting in this building, which was financially impossible because of the generosity of people and churches. It was crazy. And we're, we're getting ready for Christmas. And I'm like, oh my word, we're in our first official home for Christmas. We've been running around like the Israelites, felt like 40 years because we got moving around, but we have our own home. And how was this possible? It was generosity. And I look and say, okay, God, how can we do something even greater to impact our community and the world? So to everybody who's been generous, I say, thank you so much. For those who are exploring and maybe have story from the past, I hear you. I know that there's hurts and there's much to consider, but I just want to put this reality to you. In the last year, in the last year, we were in a lot of trouble. Uh, we, we didn't say this to you because we didn't add more stress to building campaigns. Hey, if you came once the building was open, great time to come. But uh, during our building campaign, we were struggling. We were burning all of our reserves. Uh, we were starting to process some pretty big things of what we would do. And then, sure enough, as generosity comes, God took care of everything again. And currently, the best way I can explain of where we are as a church family is we just have our nose above the water. We're just there. And I'm like, God, and this is, I don't want more stuff. God, can you bring radical generosity so we can be more generous out? I want to give more out. I'm tired of looking if somebody needs something. Do we have $200 to help that family? I'd be like, no, let's throw it on them. Let's be generous. Let's give. Let's be exactly like the Israelites were so that we can say, they're like, okay, stop giving us so much mosaic. We get the point. That's my heart, guys. And so I share this with you from a heart of someone who says, I want to be like that group of people that were so generous and lived the life of generosity that the leader had to say, we have enough. Friends, are you willing? Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com.